Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Yeah, are you guys ready for it? I'm excited. Um, I'm going to start with Robin. Aww. Robin. I just wish I could hug you all from the camera. <laughs> right? Uh, Robin, love you. It's good. We got it. <laughs> all the things. Um, do you want to share uh, in about you know two minutes or so? What did life look like before um, boot camp, and what does it look like now? All right. Well, I think before boot camp, I was dabbling in private practice. Right. I was still really ambivalent about whether this was what I was actually going to do. I was seeing about six clients a week, just kind of doing it on the side, doing my mom thing the rest of the time, not really feeling like it was a viable like career option per se. Mm -hmm. And I think boot camp gave me this roadmap that showed me exactly where I would have to go to get it from that to being my career. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, when I joined boot camp, I wasn't necessarily ready to follow the entire path, but having the roadmap made it really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. And so then I knew that when I had the time and the energy, and I made that ultimate decision not to go back to agency work and to start my own thing instead, where I had so much more creative control, right. Mm-hmm. Um, having that roadmap just made it really clear what to do when I hit that point so that I could choose that moment to like really dig in and do it every step of the way and, and know that I would get there in the end. Right. So I was seeing six clients kind of doing it on the side. Now I have a group practice. I have four clinicians who are my employees. I'm about to hire another one tomorrow. So really excited about that. Yeah. Um, And what has been, I think, the most transformational for me was the the part that I didn't expect. And that was feeling like I had a defined work schedule, like I had really clear boundaries around work and home and knowing kind of what my tasks were for the week, right? What my to-do list was, both in terms of developing the business and in terms of maintaining the business, so that I could look at my task list on Friday morning and say, you know what? I'm done for the week. I'm not doing anything today. (laughs) I never had that freedom before. It always felt like there was this infinite list of things to do, but having it structured in this way gives me the opportunity to say, this is how far I'm gonna go in this timeframe. And then when I'm there, I'm there. And I can breathe and I can have more time off and I can feel like I can take a vacation and my income isn't dependent on my butt in the chair in quite the same way. So it's been really neat to have that flexibility and that freedom. Love it. And to feel like I have a team in it. Yes. Yes. I think that's such a beautiful piece, right? Of how it changes your life, but also that you've been able to create employment for this like whole group of people. How does that feel to like actually creating like a good place to work for people? Oh my gosh. I was scared to death to do that, (laughs) (laughs) to be somebody's employer and to put those pieces in place. That was the part that I really kind of needed a hard shove to do. Right. Like that sounded so intimidating and it's actually not all that different than being who I am as a clinician, right? It's being able to nurture people in being their best selves and doing what they do and then figuring out all those other little logistical pieces that come with it, right? Workers comp and insurance and (laughs) paid time off and all those kinds of things. Those were just kind of things to learn and, and things to check off on the checklist. But the meat of it is really nurturing people in doing what they do. And we do that as clinicians already anyway. I love it. All right, Robin, do you want to share um, your URL for people to check out in the chat while we move over to Erica? Erica. Answering Jill's question in the chat to actual employees, not contractors. I did go through phase in the middle where I had contractors, but no actual employees. (laughs) Yes. And we will definitely talk about that particular question after everybody introduces. (laughs) I love that. 
All right, Erica, do you want to introduce yourself? Also, Erica, your lighting is on point with, I just love it. The hair. <laughs> so good. Well, that's part of boot camp, right? You have to like get your stuff together. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, look at my, we're like in blue, like whatever. So I love it. Go for it. Tell us more about your practice. Oh, so I actually, um, before boot camp, I was working a contract job in nursing homes and I was seeing like 50 sessions a week. So it was bananas. Um, and then I had my daughter and that's when I was like, you know what? No, I don't want to do this anymore. And I want to actually make something really cool where I can have a little bit more control in my schedule and how many clients I'm seeing and the types of clients that I'm seeing. And so that's when I went into my own practice. And so I feel lucky that I signed up for boot camp when I did, because, you know, I like to do things with a plan and have it like all worked out. And so boot camp helped me just get all those pieces in place um, before I even started. And so I feel like I started with like a, a good groundwork um, to lay everything else out. But I've expanded into group practice this year. I have one employee, W-2, and one uh, student intern, and then I'm going to be hiring another W-2 by the end of the year. So I'm really excited about that. Um, part of my vision was being able, uh, along with what um, Robin was saying, like being able to have a space where people can do the work in the way that they want to do their work, but also being able to express themselves and if they're pink hair, don't care, or whatever that may look like for each person, that's what I want to bring in. I love it. That's beautiful. And how has your um, personal life changed um, being a group practice owner um, post boot camp? Well, I'm still waiting to see that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still letting that settle in, but I am going to be taking a month off sabbatical starting tomorrow, all of October. So, um, you know, this has definitely helped me to see things in a different way to be able to create space for myself and um, hopefully I think have a vision for other things that I want to do that's going to allow me um, that having a group practice is going to allow me the time and space to do that. Awesome. I love it. All right, Tabby. And again, Erica, if you want to put your details um, in the prep in the, in the thingy. Hey there, I am Tabitha and I have a private practice in Lake Forest, North Carolina, and I live in Texas, which is part of my group practice model currently. Um, when I started in uh, boot camp in 2017, I had four jobs, um, one of which was in a completely different industry and boot camp allowed me to put it together and get, get some understanding about uh, the business side of it. So that's the piece I didn't understand. I am a single parent. So I am the only breadwinner in my family. Um, although my son works, he just doesn't pay any bills. <laughs> He's 17. Um, but it, it uh, has given us the ability for me to really just do this job and do it well and have a viable business and being able to understand all the pieces and parts of what goes into a business. Um, and then expanding into group practice, having the tools to manage that piece as well from the business perspective. Um, I did not intend to become a great practice when I started this little adventure, um, but I sort of tripped and fell into it because I do love working with interns and that was my first foray into it. And I remember Miranda telling me repeatedly, you know, you're a great practice. And I'm like, no, 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 it's just a <laughs> and Miranda's like, yeah, you're funny. Um, so I finally just accepted the reality of the fact that I am in fact a group practice owner. And, and also just given the niche that we have, we specialize in domestic abuse and coercive control in the church and, um, and do a lot of complex trauma work with uh, faith-based individuals. So there wasn't a lot like me out there. And so I needed more of me because there's only one of me and the need was too big. So I started training my interns really heavily and then I kept keeping them. Um, and now I have three W-2 employees and one intern. We will be hiring another W-2 employee in the near future. I have two locations now um, and we will have two interns in 2022. So we are definitely getting bigger. And the biggest shift for me in terms of personal life is I have one. I didn't really have one before. <laughs> in fact, after this, I'm going to go get drinks and dinner with a friend. So I'm pretty excited. Like I get to go do fun stuff. And that was uh, a really big shift um, for me to be able to just have a little bit of space to be 
a mom, to be a friend, to be a colleague. Um, and, and I've met the most incredible people through boot camp over the years. And I'm extremely blessed and grateful for all of the tools that it's given me. I love it. I love it, Tavi. All right, Carrie Ann. Hi, everybody. I'm Carrie Ann. I have a group practice in Weathersfield, Connecticut. Um, I think before, before I started boot camp, I had three jobs as well. Um, and I was also a new mom. And I, you know, found boot camp actually. Um, just Googling how to even start private practice when I would be feeding my baby in the middle of the night at, you know, two and three months old. And I was like, I don't even know if I can do this or not. And um, then I started and my vision has always been about community. And I initially had a large people, kind of like a co-working space that people would come to. And then after um, that, I started taking on contractors because I would tell Kelly Miranda, I didn't want to be a boss. I'm not a boss. I don't want to be a boss. I'll just contract people. I don't have a group practice. And then I um, <laughs> finally listened to Kelly <laughs> and got some systems in place and converted everybody um, over to employees. And now we have seven clinicians we specialize in teens and millennials, addiction and trauma, and also um, anxiety and recovery. So um, I would say I'm down to one job for the first time. Um, I was able to be a mom and run a group practice. And in the meantime, I also had another baby who's now four and a half, almost five. So, um, you know, boot camp has really just enabled me to be a mom, to have a life and to run a practice for the community that people enjoy coming to and that they can heal from. Love it. Beautiful. Okay. So let's talk about that piece. I'm going to start with Robin. I know Carrie Ann, your internet's being a little cranky um, <laughs> over there. Um, what does it look like? Cause I see this on Facebook groups all the time oh, you just do a contractor. It's super easy that way. You won't have any responsibility. It'll save you a ton of money if you do that. Let's talk about real life, what you learned about um, contractors versus employees through your bootcamp experience and especially being on the other side of it. Yeah, definitely. So um, I started off with a contractor model and this idea that I just wanted the contractors to bring in enough money to cover the office rent. <laughs> and I think ultimately what I learned was my contractors took home more money than I did. And that didn't feel right to me. But I also um, realized that I didn't have the same level of commitment from my contractors that I really wanted from people. And I didn't have the same power to create kind of a workplace culture that I have now with employees. And so, you know, in the transition to the pandemic, I lost both of my contractors because I was a second job for both of them. And so they decided to simplify their lives and they scaled back to their one main job and I wasn't it, right? And so it, it made it really clear that it was a less viable business model than I thought it was and that I needed to do something a little bit differently. And so now that I have employees, what that looks like is being able to have a weekly clinical consultation group and have input in what they're doing. Um, you know, it gives me just the opportunity to create standards of care within the practice that I really couldn't do when people were contractors because you don't have that level of creative control with contractors. Um, so just in that transition, I feel like I have so much more commitment from people and, and the practice is more of a place. It's not just a thing everybody's doing on the side. It's more of a place that people come to. And I realized I didn't really share kind of the nuts and bolts practice details, right? We see children, adolescents, couples, and families dealing with anxiety, ADHD, and autism. So that's our focus. And we're in the DC suburbs. I love it. I think this piece of, and I, and I want to be like really clear, how many of you guys actually wanted to like control people? Probably nobody. Like we don't really want to like control people or control our clinicians, but how many of us 
have been in an experience where you have a contractor, or maybe even you've had the experience for those of you guys watching, we've had a coworker where they're providing care that is very easy to see is not okay. When you are handing someone over money, when you're handing over clients that got attracted to your handed it off to someone 100% responsible, but there's a certain amount of responsibility of, hey, I'm putting my stamp on this other person right? I'm saying when I work with Kelly, I'm saying I respect Kelly as a human and as a clinician and as a therapist and that she's someone I would trust, right? And in an impactful way, I would trust her to be alone with my child. I would trust her to be alone with my clients. And if you don't have that level of like connection and trust with your clients uh, or with your clinicians, with the people that, that are working for you, even as contractors, it can get really messy and really uncomfortable really quickly. And I think especially this contractor um, situation becomes very complex when you're dealing with insurance. Because when this person who is your contractor provides this service and you pay them for the service, um, who's ultimately responsible for if the insurance comes back and looks at those notes and says, hey, you know what? the service wasn't provided, we're going to do a clawback. It's ultimately your business. Carrie, that's going I can to be responsible. To <laughs> um, if somebody else isn't providing quality care, you're actually financially, and this can come back, five, you know, two, five, sometimes 10 years, depending on what state you're in. If you are working it with insurance, I just want to say we all need to advocate state by state to shorten these clawback windows where we as clinicians are supposed to submit paperwork within, you know, 60 or 90 days. And then they have 15 years to change their mind about what they already approved or what they said that this person actually had insurance. And you just like sit there scratching your head going, what the hell is going on with this? But all that to say, like, it's really important for us to look at that big picture and realize that there is some responsibility. And there also sometimes can be even financial financial liability that we're holding for what this person did or didn't do. Carrie Ann, do you want to speak a little bit? Because I think that's, it took about a year or two for you to decide to make the transition to uh, employees. And what have you noticed shift with those that you hired on as employees versus back when you had all contractors? So um, the shift that I've noticed is that as the, the people that I have hired as employees are much more dedicated to the practice, they're, um, they make more of an effort, I think, in terms of being part of the community, and they look for, you know, the support and the supervision, um, you know, even sometimes if I don't feel I'm giving enough, I feel, you know, I can reach out and say, listen, I want to support you. Let's have a quick check-in. Let's, you know, how can I help support you? How can I help you? with your caseload or with clients or even scheduling, because um, as contractors, it's, it's very hands-off. You can't technically do any of that stuff. And so, um, you know, when I had contractors, I had no idea what was going on. And, but when it came time to, you know, clawbacks and money and insurance, that was all on me. It wasn't on them. So, yeah. I think that's the other thing that we want to distinguish here that a lot of times people hire contractors, but don't treat them as such. Uh, they treat them as employees. So basically they get the benefit of the employee and then the person working for them is saddled with uh, the taxes and things like that. And that's just something, one of the things we teach in boot camp is really that, um, you know, it's not about like eking out the most amount of money you can out of your hire, but really creating longevity with your hires and a culture that aligns with your values and your mission for your practice. Because at the end of the day, 
Uh, this is about good outcomes and good income for and everybody, for everybody involved, because what we pay our staff is also an influence on the market for mental health clinicians and us being the worst paid master's degree is not okay. And while we cannot fix that entirely, that's a larger systemic issue, but within the private sector, we have our own responsibility as group practice owners to positively contribute to the field whether it be towards ourselves or also towards our employees. I think the other thing too, is that there's a lot of um, therapists that are under the mistaken, um, mistaken belief that there are no risks to hiring somebody as a contractor and treating them as an employee. And it is happening, not just in California. All over. By saying, County by county, they are going in and they are doing reviews of, is this person actually an employee or is this person a contractor? And if they come in and determine that this person was an employee, it can lead to thousands of dollars of liability for you as the clinician that could go back years. It could go back years, guys. And so this place of having this delineation really crystal clear and knowing that, hey, this is a conversation. And I've been telling group practice owners this for a long time, and I'm seeing it in Facebook groups. And there's a lot of Facebook groups and therapists saying, no, you're not a contractor, you're an employee, go and sue that person. Go and sue that person. You have the right. You're going to get, make a whole bunch of money if you go and sue this person. That's the only way that we're going to change this. Yeah. And I, you know, however you may or may not feel about that, I think it's really important for us to really understand that delineation and really put ourselves into a place where we are fully protected. As a group practice owner, there's really not this huge risk to have an employee in the way that I think in the way that our work is set up, that there's a huge risk to having a contractor. It's very, there's a lot of drawbacks that podcasts and different people are talking about where they're like, oh no, you can just set up this, you know, fill in the blank way. And hey, we can circumvent that rule in all of these different ways. And I think it's it's putting a lot of people at risk and uh, we don't want that for you. I think there is just, something about that integrity piece. And so I wanted to ask too about for each of you, what has it been like when you're a solo practice owner, right? There's just you and running the business, but then you add in this people component of leading. Uh, what does the leadership development look like for you as group practice owners? And how have you utilized boot camp and the community to help you develop as leaders? And feel free to just go like this and we'll take you one at a time. Tabby. So I did have the advantage before boot camp of being in a different industry where I was a manager. And so I had that to come into. But in terms of boot camp, having the structure, the procedures, the things in place from jump of policies and how to organize things and that sort of stuff. So that when I brought my first employee on, we had a handbook, we had all the things that we needed to have in place so that I could just execute it, right? So I had like an offer letter and I had my handbook and I had, you know, all of the things in place and I had a Trello board for onboarding and all of the stuff that I use to get people, you know, into the organization and make sure all the systems are in place and all of that stuff. Um, having that structure and like the group practice checklists and things that are in boot camp are really, really helpful in just getting it going and making sure that nothing got missed in the process. And then in terms of development, like this is a phenomenal community. There are some absolutely just brilliant clinicians and leaders in this community. And I've been extremely blessed to know many of them um, and to be able to work closely with them. Um, a couple of them are here, like, you know, Erica and Carrie Ann. And so having these incredible people that I respect so much that I can ask questions to, or I can like send a Marco Polo to and be like, Hey, I have this question. I don't know what to do here. Or, you know, give each other feedback has been just a huge blessing. So not only do we have all the tools through bootcamp, but we also have um, each other. And that is just a beautiful and wonderful thing to me. Robin. So I think the structuring boot camp also really helps me kind of create a hierarchy of needs when it comes to setting up 
all of the different pieces of the group practice, right? It, it puts me in a position of knowing what absolutely has to be done right now versus what I can do a little bit right now and make it better and better and better later. Right. I've really had to learn that everything is a work in progress. Everything is a yeah. living document, right? We've redone and redone <laughs> the website. We've redone and redone the, the employee handbook. And yeah. all of these pieces are constantly evolving and changing. And as I learn new things, I add new things and tweak things a little bit. So just learning to kind of sit back and accept that process mm -hmm. and let it be good enough mm -hmm. <laughs> for the moment that, Robin. has yeah. been, that has been a huge lesson that I've learned from the bootcamp community overall, hearing it said to other people, as well as hearing it said directly to me. <laughs> <laughs> Progress, not perfection. It's good enough. Launch it out. And then let's, let's see, and we'll tweak it. And it's going right? to be okay. Yes. We don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Do it first, make it better later. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. Any other, Erica or Karen? Yes, Erica. Yeah, I totally agree with everything Tabby and Robin have said so far, but I think the other thing for me that boot camp really draws on is that each of us can tap into our own strengths and our own style to get these things done and put in place. So like um, for me, I'm a minimalist and I want to do everything as simple as possible. So uh, boot camp has a wealth of tools and knowledge and uh, there's it's so many minimalistic. <laughs> it's not, but <laughs> I'm able to get what I need from there to make the most simple process that I can make for my business. And I think that that works really well. And for each of us, we all have our own identities and our own ways and visions for our businesses. And there's enough there that we can pull what we need, but leave what we don't. I love that. I think that's the piece too, is that, that it starts always with the vision what one of you envisions for like, what is success as a group practice owner? I think every single one of you has a completely different vision of what that looks like. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's how it should be. And when we have a different vision, it means that the policies and the processes and the marketing for employees and the culture that we create is going to be very different. And that's okay and that's to be celebrated. And that's part of why I think working for boot campers is such a great thing. Um, I'm so excited when somebody goes to work for uh, for one of the for one of our boot campers because I know that you've been really thoughtful and really honest about what it is to work with you and for you and what people can expect from that experience. And I know that it's going to be in many cases, a really reparative experience um, for these clinicians. They're going to have a whole different experience um, with you than they had in agencies or maybe working for other private practice owners. And I think that's beautiful. Okay, I have a funny question and I know it's a little weird, but I'm gonna go for it because I just, it came up for me. And for those of you who are here, you, you have like some experts here, each one of these people we know is um, amazing in how they lead and group practice and they've been in boot camp. So if you have questions, now's your time to ask other group practice owners. But one of the things we talk about in boot camp is foods, family of origin BS. <laughs> <laughs> and how have you, uh, and what that means of just basically taking your family of origin stuff and replicating it in your business. What has that been like in creating a family practice in the sense of, you know, you're establishing this other system 
And what have you learned and managed to deal with that stuff? Because I think that's an aspect of bootcamp that we don't often talk about is that we are also talking about the personal development and awareness piece. And I'm just curious how that has come up for you. Anybody want to speak to that? Carrie Ann, Tabby. Oh, Tabby. <laughs> I knew it was going to be Tabby first. Okay. I knew Tabby would have her hand up first for sure. Go Tabby. I started near Carrie Ann. No, Go Tabby. Tabby. Go ahead. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, growing up in the evangelical community, um, I had some money mindset problems. Um, namely, like I should never earn anything ever for any reason. I should sell all my stuff and like live in a box. Um, so I had to really work through that because, you know, in order to keep the lights on and the doors open, you actually have to charge for what we do, right? And it's valuable. And like you guys were talking about earlier, like we are one of the lowest paid master's degrees like of ever. And so I really had to push through that and be able to say my fee is X and mean it and be okay with it and know that I wasn't, and this was a big thing for me and just my own personal self. And I know there's a lot of different opinions on religion and faith. I'm just telling you from my perspective, I had to be okay before God with it for me. And so I had to work through that and get rid of the foobs in terms of my money mindset so I could actually make money and run a practice and I was able to do that and and now I feel very confident in saying what my fee is and what my staff fees are and in terms of like not sliding everybody and their mother and you know all of that stuff and so that was an area that I really had to work through and the tools in boot camp really helped me do it and I remember Miranda years ago saying you need to raise your rates and I was like yep Okay. And, you know, being really anxious about it and having to say over and over again, my fee is this, my fee is this, my fee is this. And then when I raised my rates independently and said, no, this is like what I need. Like this is what the numbers say. You know, that's one of the biggest, most beautiful things about bootcamp is we get a spreadsheet, like this monster, beautiful spreadsheet that tells us what we need to charge people <laughs> and how many clients we need to see and all that to meet our goals. And so I was like, you know what, to do this, this is what I'm going to have to do. And I sent the letter out to my client. I said, you know, sent out to all my clients and said, my fee is this. And now I can say it and I can teach it to my employees because they all come in. You know, I would say with probably some level of this money is a hard topic and we're able to say that. So that was one of the biggest areas of foods that I had to definitely overcome in my practice and where the tools in bootcamp were invaluable. Awesome. Carrie Ann, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think that's the piece is whatever we're doing in business, we will replicate it, guys. Whatever that thing is that's in your personal life as an organization, um, it's money stuff, it's time management, it's not speaking up or speaking out you're going to see that challenged um, in your practice, especially when you're a group practice owner. Carrie Ann. Are you frozen, Carrie Ann? Probably. So yeah, am I frozen? Am I yeah, better? Good. No. Okay. Um, so I would say yes. And I think the perfectionism in me and the thinking that I didn't know how to measure success at all. I expected success to be this like giant successful business that was just going to like work in overnight and knowing that like, you have to celebrate the small successes because things are not going to be perfect. Like, and things change. And I think, you know, I struggled a lot with like shame, guilt, workaholic, being a workaholic, trying to figure out, you know, that it's okay to leave the business and to step away and to take breaks. And, you know, even Kelly, like she would be like, well, what about hobbies? And I'd be like, well, I work out and I go to, you know, yoga and I do this. And she's like, yeah, but that's, that's not a hobby, <laughs> you know, and trying to find out like, you know, things I enjoy. And it took like, you know, a lot of trial and error around, you know, once I had this one job and I was taking breaks, like, what does that look like for me? And how do I step away and take a break? Because you're only just going to burn out fast if you dive in and just work to avoid or to think about, you know, the, the inner, the inner child stuff in your mind and in your brain, because if that comes out into your business, then it keeps you stuck. And now your hobby is to go to Disney World. When I'm now too. I do. Yeah, Erica. I'll be at Disney World next week. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, what I've been thinking about recently is in terms of the leadership side of things. So one of my FOOPs uh, things is being was being a parentified child. And so I often feel the need to like clean up everybody's mess and make everything just back okay and, and take away the chaos of things. And so as a leader, I've definitely noticed my um, inclination to go in and just do things for other people on my team and that it needs to be done my way. And so I'm working on letting go of that, but also I think doing it in a way that Miranda has helped me work through ways to empower the people who are on my team so that they can make the decisions and they can actually get things done um, without me having to feel like I'm being their parent. And so that's, that's huge. I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> I'm right there with you. That, exactly that, right? Excessive caretaking of people is definitely my, my family of origin stuff and trying to figure out how to have employees who are also supervisees who I'm not micromanaging and I'm not caretaking. And it's been so helpful to sort of shift my mindset to, I take care of the business and the business takes care of the people, right? So if I do what's right for the business, then the business is able to take care of the people and the business is able to take care of me. Right? That's probably like the most mutual relationship I've ever had. <laughs> I take care of the business and the business takes care of me. So just having that mindset shift has been really helpful. I think there's, there's something about that whole, that I picked up and what you were saying too, is it's unique when, if you like manage um, any other kind of business, you just manage the business and the, the services. But what's unique about being a leader in a group practice is there's a clinical aspect too. So you're wearing like a business hat and a clinical hat at the same time, uh, which is unique for us, I think. And so that whole like, where's the balance of, hey, I'm talking to you right now from the clinical aspect of what you need to do versus like, there's the business stuff that you need to do. So it, it compounds, I think, as a leader too in private practice. Yeah, and I think this is the another piece that kind of ties into it um, is this idea of sometimes because of our family of origin stuff, we feel like it's never going to be enough. We're never going to be good enough. It's never going to be big enough. It's never going to be solid enough. Um, something's going to come up and it's going to like tear it all down. It's going to fall apart. Um, I'm never going to be able to figure out all of those different pieces. And so it can lead to this place of really overworking or even overbuilding a practice because it feels like you could never really be like, oh, everything's okay. And everything's solid. How has that shown up? I see a lot of like nodding of heads. Does anyone want to share how that's shown up in your business? and what it looks like today. In other words, like what have you tweaked for yourself? What have you put in place um, in particular to help you kind of take a little bit more distance and to be able to see, to see the success that you've created, to know that you have the skills um, to sustain and not constantly be in this place of, I'm not good enough, it's never gonna be enough and I just have to like keep going so quickly. So I'll say the one thing that I did that helped a lot is I just stopped obsessing over numbers on a daily basis and like scheduling mm -hmm. times to go and look at the numbers because I would go down these rabbit holes of, oh my God, like this person's on vacation and there's this many cancellations and we're going to make no money and we're going to crash and burn. And next week there's going to be no practice. And, you know, and the same with like people leaving, like people are going to come and go and you're not going to want, you're not going to want everybody there forever. Like in the beginning, it's going to feel that way, but then, you know, people grow apart. You want people to move on. You want, you know, you want growth as well. And you also sometimes want to weed out the ones that might not be the strongest if it's not a good fit and to be okay with that, because I have made the mistakes of holding on to people too long and it creates more work for you. Um, you know, obsessing over decisions instead of just being more confident in making the decision. And I think having, you know, the support of boot camp and the support of the community, it's been really helpful to be able to, you know, use them as a sounding board to work through some of these things and be able to go in and make the decisions so that I'm not, 
you know, on my phone at 10 o'clock at night, like literally going down the rabbit hole of numbers, 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 like it's not going to crash tomorrow. <laughs> I love it. Anyone yeah. else want to share? Uh, that automagical business planning workbook is so helpful for this because I can actually play with the doomsday scenario. <laughs> what does that look like? What would actually happen? And then what other boxes would I have to change in order to keep the end result the same? So it actually gives me a place that I can go and, and make those decisions in a thoughtful way because I, I tend to think something is going to go not how I expected it to go. Right. And I'm probably going to learn something from that. And I'm going to start something new from that maybe, but things are not going to go the way I expect them to go. And so it's nice to have a structure where I can look at it and say, okay, how else could it look besides how I assumed it would look? To, to really internalize this idea that like, I have the skills and the know-how to pivot and to adjust Mm -hmm. And to like shift because it's okay if things change. I mean, there's a lot of pivoting that happened when we, some of us went to virtual um, and there's a lot of pivoting that's happened with homeschooling and other things to know that like, oh, wait, I have skills and I have people and I have community and there's, there's particular skills. How many of you guys felt really confident the first time you opened up that Excel planner. You're like, yeah, I got this. I love Excel. Um, this all fits. Erica, I love it. Erica's our one person. How many of the rest of you guys are like, oh my gosh, I hated Miranda at the beginning because she owns that. Like she created this Excel spreadsheet and I don't understand what is going on. There's so many moving parts to business. And now you're like, oh, oh wait. It's like I love Excel and I still hated it. But <laughs> I love you, Miranda, and that Excel workbook. Take it one bite at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where Carrie Ann's avoidance came in for forever. Yeah, and that's that's a big thing you'll notice in boot camp too. Is people are like, I'm thinking about hiring. I'm thinking about um, offering benefits, and we're always like, let's plug it in. Let's plug it into the spreadsheet and see what the scenarios look like. I know, Robin, that's something we've been talking about recently. Uh, about adding in benefit options and what what are some ways to do that and it's like well let's go look let's go back to the spreadsheet because once you have that it allows you to really again I do believe in intuition I do believe in trusting yourself but I also believe in data and looking at the numbers and saying like can I really afford this because nothing feels worse then telling someone, hey, I'm going to provide benefits or these kinds of um, things, which we know benefits and things like that can help people stay longer in a, in a position. And it's also a beautiful way to take care of the people you serve. Um, but nothing feels worse than to say that and then backpedal or feel like, whoa, or find that it really is you're not making any profit or those kinds of things and you're doing all this work. Um, for in a way that's not making sense. We want it again to be a win-win in a group practice. The win-win is for you, the owner, the clinicians and the clients. So when we have a solo practice, we're looking at those outcomes and income for two, the solo practitioner and their clients. And in this scenario, we're looking at multiplying that into also for the clinicians. I think there's also something there in terms of that idea of like your intuition says, Ooh, it's time. Like, I really want to do this part. And then the numbers help you figure out how to actually how make it a reality. It. Right. So we have sometimes this intuition or work, we feel this readiness. Sometimes even the numbers can help to settle the, cause there's the intuition part that we have. But sometimes there's this like really big fear part that's just screaming all the time. So we can't actually like tap into our intuition at all because the fear part is just like everything is going to burn it down. It's terrible. Um, so to be able to use those numbers to kind of settle, I know that Tabby does this a lot with her bookkeeper. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that, Tabby, if you feel, if you're, if you're willing? <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> So I'm, I am an optimist in every area of my life, except this, where I'm a complete and total fatalist and, um, numbers make me anxious. 
And I often think they aren't good until I sit down with my bookkeeper and look at them and realize that my business is actually a viable little adventure here um, and that I'm actually making money. And that's been very helpful. I don't know how many conversations Miranda and I have had over like, I don't know how many years it's been 130 now um, <laughs> where I'm like, I don't know, I'm not making money. And we look at the numbers and I'm like, yeah, kidding. Sorry about that. <laughs> able to calm down. And it's been, it's very helpful to look at those numbers and to have it in a way that, um, that helps me know where I'm at. And I think it was like, what, Kelly, three years ago, I think I sat down with you um, and you said, look, I'm numbers impaired too. And this is really helpful. And you like walked me through it and that helped enormously. And that was like a really helpful piece. And I was like, okay, okay. Like it's someone else's numbers impaired. I can do this. It's going to be okay. And, you know, and then looking at it with my bookkeeper. And I think um, last month I had the highest grossing month I've ever had. And I just ran my biggest payroll yesterday or day before yesterday. So, you know, and I had all the money there to pay it. Like, I'm not like, oh crap, you know, I'm like, oh, this is fine. And that helps me a lot. Like I need that baseline to know that I'm okay. Yeah. I, I, I remember having a conversation with Kelly and being like, oh my gosh, like Tabby's like really struggling. And I just don't understand. Cause like, it just seems like, I, like, she's like, it's bad. And she's going to make a loss this month. Like, I don't even understand. And then we finally got to like, look at the numbers. And I was just like, damn it, Tabby. <laughs> like you like took me through like, and then after a while I was like, oh no, well sit down, look at the numbers. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to listen to this until you look at the numbers. Cause I, I don't trust that fear part that comes up and says no. everything is terrible. There is something about boot camp where I know it may be weird to hear us talk about how we know Robin or Carrie Ann or Tabby or Erica. Um, but like when Jill popped on, I knew her name and I'm not saying I know everybody perfectly, but if you show up, we will start to learn about you and your practice. Now, some of the people in this group, we've coached individually as well, in addition. Um, but you know, we do start to get to understand each of you and we can look back and see our interactions and start to learn, like, where are the areas that maybe you struggle where we can push and help you through certain kind of barriers or those kinds of things. And we really do uh, seek to know each and every one of our boot campers. The only thing is you have to show up, otherwise we won't know that you're not showing up. So you have to post the questions. And that's the thing is if, if something in boot camp isn't working for you, we wanna know. When uh, Robin's in another program with us called TAP, which is for our boot campers. And there was, it was just the funniest thing. You know, we all talk about outcomes, right? And then Robin's like, why aren't you tracking outcomes <laughs> with like certain things? I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I don't know because I'm just obsessed with all this other stuff I have to do, right? <laughs> And so it's this like that kind of feedback loop is very important to us in developing this. And this is how the group practice owner stuff has grown in, in bootcamp. It was not originally there. It was not really the main focus. It was just flat out your basic business kind of solo practice. And if you have a group, here's a few things. And the group stuff has continued to grow and will continue to do so because as our members develop, we respond to that. And when they're like, oh, I wish I knew how to do this. I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure that I'm going to bring in somebody or I, I know how, and we're going to train. Here's the other thing. I absolutely know that there are people who will be watching this going, yeah, all that's great, but I'd really like to have one-to-one -one coaching. Like, why do you have to do this in this group environment? Like, I don't understand. Here's the deal. And it's going to sound it, there is method to the madness. There's a reason that doing this in a group environment is actually better than doing this in one-to-one. -one. And one of the big reasons is your practice requires you to be seen. And we create this safe little mini community environment where you get to practice being seen by people where you have shared values and shared vision. And when you practice being seen in that area, it makes it a little easier to be seen in the other areas. So posting this, to post a little bit of your marketing message in a group environment 
helps and getting good responses and, and getting those cheers and likes or like, oh my gosh, I love what you're doing helps to quiet that fearful place in, inside of you and allows you to get like, oh wait, it's not just Kelly or Miranda or what have you. There's a whole team around who's looked at this and given me feedback and, and said like, yes, go post it. You can do it. I've, I was scared too. And like, here's what life looks like for me now. And that makes it that much easier to go out into that world. We are not doing this in a group environment just because, just because it's really, truly works better than one-to-one therapy. If we thought one-to-one therapy was where it was at, and that was the best way to teach people how to do business start to finish, we would just do that. We wouldn't do boot camp. This is not a passive income stream for us. <laughs> yeah. Like anybody who's been through boot camp knows, like this is not something that like we like set it and forget it, and like it just makes money in our sleep. Like that is not what this is. This is done this way because we have been doing this work for over a decade, and we know what works for therapists. So we're going to have to go because we have our bonus group coaching for new boot campers. If you would like to join us, the doors close on Friday. So click the link. That's tomorrow. Yeah. We would love to have you. Before we go, I just want to ask each of you to just say what you would say to yourself when you were starting group practice with what you know now. Just one piece of wisdom to talk to that smaller child, that inner child group owner that was just starting out. Robin, can you go? Sure. I think I would tell myself, give it time. Okay. Let yourself actually walk the walk a little bit before you expect it to be exactly right. Right. You don't have to have it completely ready. You can build the plane as you're flying it. All right. So give it time. I love that. Erica. Similar. I think I would tell myself to be patient, um, that the vision can come through and that it's better to wait to build that in the way that you really want it to be. And um, it's going to be worth it. Tavi. Trust the process. There are some really great things built in. And earlier this year, we had a bit of a crisis in my family where my son needed medical care. We sold everything, moved, and I was able to let my practice just run while I moved across the country and didn't skip a beat and was able to afford what we needed to afford. And so trust the process, the build is worth it. And yeah, definitely take as much time as you need, right? Like we will get there. Oh, Carrie Ann. I love to say that slow and steady is okay. And to be the turtle, it's okay to be the turtle, trust the process. And um, not only are you going to gain, you're also going to build a huge, you know, community together as well. Thank you all for your wisdom. Thank you for being here and taking an hour of your busy day to share with us. Thank you for those that are here attending. I hope you are inspired. We are inspired. We are so proud of each of you. Um, and what an honor to work with you, to learn together with you and to make this change in our communities with the way you all have chosen to serve and show up for mental health care. Um, so we'd love to see you in boot camp if that works for you. And thank you all for being here. Yeah, we so appreciate you guys taking busy time out of your like busy lives and practices to be here. Um, seriously, if if you ever get a chance to meet any of these people, definitely do. They are amazing humans. Mm -hmm. uh, all of them are actually amazing speakers in their own right for different yes. topics. Um, <laughs> they're, they're just really rad human beings too. So see you on the other side. See you Bye. guys in boot camp. Bye guys. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.